Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 113 Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and their glory above all the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? who looks far down on the heavens and on the earth. She raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of her people. She gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 30, verses 1 through 24. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister, and she said to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. Jacob became very angry with Rachel and said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my maid, Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear upon my knees, that I too may have children through her. So she, came, so she gave him her maid, Bilhah, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she named him Dan. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. So she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her maid Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, Good fortune. So she named him Gad. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, Happy am I, for the women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. In the days of wheat of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is this... Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. Then Jacob came from the field in the evening. Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So she lay. So he lay with her that night. And God heeded Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my hire because I gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good dowry. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulon. Afterwards she bore him a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God heeded her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach, and she named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. 
I consider all the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of one who has subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Good morning, and welcome to the fourth Tuesday of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 113, Genesis 30, and Romans 8. And the reading in Romans, uh, I'm always kind of frustrated by Paul's predestination stuff and what it can give birth to, but I won't go there. Um, He does, however, mention that the reason for this predestination is so that Christ may be the firstborn within a large family, a large family like that of Isaac and his two wives and two servants or depending how you read it, four wives. Um, And the reading from Genesis gives us the names of many of the children, also discloses the infighting between um, Rachel and Leah and Zilpah and Bilhah, um, who many people forget, um, but they are um, the mothers of tribes of Israel, several of them. Um, and Rachel and Leah, oh, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but I think they're sisters. I can't remember. Um, so they uh, they are bickering about you know who has given Jacob sons and who hasn't. And of course, the the youngest is actually a girl named Dinah. Um, and Leah, if I think I'm remembering correctly, was Jacob's favored partner. Um, but her father gave him Rachel instead of Leah. And so Leah has a special place in Jacob's heart. And it is Leah who gives Jacob um, Zebulon, uh, one of the, the warrior tribes, whose name uh, is Zabal and means um, honor. Because um, she has honored her husband. And we also see that uh, Naphtali, whose name in Hebrew is just Naphtal, means wrestling. 
Um, and he was born of Rachel's maid, Bilhah. Um, and Zebulon and Naphtali, Zebulon being the younger of the two and therefore getting primacy of place in Scripture, Zebulon and Naphtali will go on to be the warrior tribes that, that feature so prominently in, in my work and also in, in the region uh, of the the district of non-Jews, Galil Hagoyim, um, the northern area of the promised land that um, is thrown into contempt, is exiled first and is um, subjected to exile and becoming lost. Uh, you know, they're, they're the first of the ten lost tribes. Um, but it's also interesting to me that they're born in this you know, dispute between um, sisters and their servants. Um, you know, it's kind of like rich people problems to, it feels like it. You know, if you ignore the um, <coughs> polygamy um, the, and you just kind of just observe the relationships for what they take themselves to be, they're not happy. Like they are, like it's petty and kind of messed up. And yet, uh, these are the 12 tribes of, of Israel, of Jacob. Um, and at the very end, it uh, talks about, um, may the Lord add to me another son. I think that's probably foreshadowing uh, Benjamin, the youngest of all 12, um, but who kind of gets lost. But Benjamin is, is also the tribe um, in which Jerusalem is situated. Um, and then... Um, the two half-tribes, we forget that Joseph um, isn't a tribe, but his two children, Manasseh and Ephraim, are. Um, and Manasseh actually becomes quite large, and by the time the tribal allotments are handed out, they get a shit ton of land. By by acreage, they have the most land of all the 12 tribes, which implies that they were l the largest of all the tribes, and they were a half-tribe, one of the sons of Joseph. Um, but anyway, so I find it interesting that, you know, the, uh, the, the story of the 12 tribes is born literally in strife and in interfamilial strife. Um, and it's not violent, but it's certainly disagreement and kind of conniving and kind of nitpicking, um, which isn't, you know, the healthiest family environment. And yet this is, this is the family that, um, that, we trace our spiritual ancestry to. And if you're a Gentile, you, you are uh, kind of adopted in or grafted in. Um, and so rather than look away from the strife and pretend it doesn't matter um, or that you know it's somehow inherently sinful, um, I actually, it makes me think of Married with Children. In the 90s, we used, I used to watch it. And it, my memory of it, you know, it's kind of benign, but I talked to my older sisters, older by like four years. You know, what you had before Mary's children was basically leave it to beaver kind of stuff. Not in the 50s, but like everything depicted as the way it should be. And Mary's children comes along and it's like, oh, I can identify with that because my family's a little dysfunctional. And it turns out most families are relatively dysfunctional and you just kind of have to make do with what you've got. Um, and so married with children, the way um, she describes it, she's a Gen Xer, you know, gave, a, gave them permission 
to feel normal within these families that weren't perfect um, because they weren't perfect. And it was a relief to see a family that made it work and wasn't, you know, wasn't the way that everybody told them families were supposed to be. And that's kind of how I see this, um, you know, the story in Genesis where it's like, it's almost funny how they go back and forth saying, well, I'm going to one up you, um, you know, and, and Jacob seems a little exasperated and, um, you know, it's this kind of tongue in cheek sexual humor of like, okay, who am I sleeping with tonight? Um, and I, in terms of like the military and theology, you know, the, the pacifism that I was brought up in, um, kind of feels like that leave it to beaver the way that we should be nonviolent. I take that to be com- uh, compulsory, right? I think to be a disciple, we are called to um, give up the, you know, the the close attachment we have to our own grievances and our own weapons. Um, and if we use them, then it's, you know, it certainly isn't the first thing we go for. But the pacifism kind of feels like, you know, the the, the condescending tone that it often takes uh, feels like it, you know, kind of expects this perfection. It expects the best of us and, um, you know, kind of can't seem to see the forest for the trees in that, you know, it, this isn't our story. Our story is messy. Um, our messy, our story includes conflict and strife. It's something we're born into. Um, and it's what we do with that. It's what meaning we give the difficulties we encounter. Um, whether those difficulties are violent or coercive or, you know, fill in the blank, we can't do away with it without sacrificing large, a large portion of our, of our own sacred history. Um, you know, rather, I think we look at, you know, our, our own origins, our own tradition, clear eyed and be much more discerning in those things that we, we call bad or, or evil. Um, conflict itself, I don't think is a problem, clearly. <laughs> I mean, look at the birth, literally the birth story of the tribes of Israel. Um, but I don't think that we, we also should be able to call it what it is. You know, Mary's children was dysfunctional. What I read in the back and forth in Genesis 30 is dysfunctional. But you make it work, and you make it beautiful by the meaning that you give it. And by, and by that I mean, you know, you don't venerate the dirty edges of the faith, but you also don't try and cut them off. Um, you take the whole for what it is, and you interpret and you understand it in a way that gives it positive moral meaning. Um, and so that's, that may be kind of a long walk in terms of a lesson, but I think that's what I think of when I read about kind of our origin stories of the tribes as a people, um, and, and keeping in mind to, to try and find the baby within the bathwater and not throw it all out at once. A prayer in times of conflict from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you have bound us together in a common life. 
Help us, in the midst of our struggles for justice and truth, to confront one another without hatred or bitterness, and to work together with mutual forbearance and respect. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.